0: Anyone and everyone, welcome to Have You Heard About This Case. My name is Sam.
1: And my name is Kelly. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of the true crime monolith that is the Cecil Hotel. We're back today with the case that General Manager Amy Price found the most disturbing in her 10-year career with the hotel. And (laughs) I just told Sam off air that I was like, I think I really need to hit record as soon as possible. So my genuine reaction after reviewing the end of this story is uh true on here for you all. It this episode contains graphic content that concerns the health and well-being of adults everywhere. Oh, it also contains graphic content regarding a dog. Oh, exactly. It is truly sad, but it's it's very compelling so join us but no, we're going to have to be strong together for this one to finish Amy Price's story I recommend to everyone a Pinot Grigio (laughs) that's where I turned after hearing this story well I have a hot chocolate (laughs) if that helps okay if that feels like a warm hug to you, whatever feels that way, drink that.
0: Say, <laughs> I've been very cold all day. I needed something warm. Heck
1: yeah. Whatever feels like a good, nice hug, beverage, grab that. Because, um, wow, it, it is remarkably sad. And But I want to tell Amy's full story here. So regarding this story... Price said at the Cecil, behind the door of every room there were secrets, but the one she found the most troubling, that took up the most space in her mind, enough that she entitled her book Behind the Door, was lurking in room 242. Price said in her book, quote, even now when I think about what happened in this room, I get angry and sometimes I want to cry, End quote. And I won't lie to you guys, this one kind of makes me want to cry, too. I don't often get this rattled. Um, I will say that. It was the year 2009. Price had not yet been given the title of general manager, but had been performing all the duties of one. With all the public spaces of the hotel, there was a dedicated houseman who cleaned. One was responsible for the hallways and the shared bathrooms and showers. However, the rooms themselves were not cleaned by staff and, quote, some of them hadn't been checked in many years. Oh, wow. Apparently, the previous owners had not seen inspections as a big priority, so the condition of the rooms of the tenants were unknown. Oh, goodness. The longer stay members typically had an agreed upon rent with the hotel, and the longer they had been there, the lower the rent. Obviously, the Cecil was trying to get rid of as many of these tenants as possible to open the rooms for rent, but the residential nature of the hotel took precedence, and basically all they could do was just wait these people out, which is not a great plan. Is this...
0: I know we we didn't mention this in the last episode, but the Cecil essentially did split into two hotels, the Stay on Main and the Cecil. Yeah. Is this what when it was Stay on Main as well or before that switch?
1: I believe it is when both are operating.
0: Okay, cuz I know they did that to kind of rebrand and kind of get the negative aspects of the Cecil kind of out of the way to bring in more traffic.
1: Yeah, they were trying to do that. Like that they were trying to the youth hostel thing get that you know available to younger people who are probably checking out the city
0: Mm -hmm. and so this is the cecil side of it even though stay on Main was functioning at that point okay yeah
1: stay on Main is functioning which is incredibly remarkable when it's joined to sort of like the back of the cecil not literally at the back i mean at like the it's Kind of strapped to the Cecil's back, and you got to deal with all the Cecil's baggage while mm-hmm. you're at Stay on Main. And that's part of her problem that she, you know, mentions a lot is she just wasn't able to get a lot of the new construction that even the most basic stuff that the hotel required. So she was struggling to make Stay on Main open as well as cater to these people who she's kind of like painted into a corner with right and like we're just saying she had arrived amy at the cecil with the intent of making it over into a more proper hotel and along with requiring ids and credit cards to check in which was much to the grumblings of the more transient members of the cecil it also instituted mandatory room cleanings as it stood, the hotel was infested with various pests and really run down. So Price thought that this would be a good thing to dig into and take care of. And that's essentially what she was trying to do was stay on Maine. If I think if Amy Price had had her way, she would have done the entire Cecil. You know, if she had had no roadblocks. It's just unfortunately she runs up, as we'll see in the story, they just... Keep stacking up in front of her these roadblocks to make the stay-on-main successful.
0: Just blows my mind that, like, even just the basics of requiring IDs and credit cards in 2009, mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of pretty run-down hotels and motels in my day. Right. And I've never had an experience where you don't have to give an ID or a credit
1: card. I know. Can you believe that? They just anybody you could anybody who could afford i believe we mentioned earlier in the episode and by believe i mean remember it because this is all i've been thinking about the cheapest room in there was 35 dollars in the the female dorm was there like well a dorm is a
0: little different but for like the long-term tenants is there like a rent cap or something like legally where they aren't allowed to raise that
1: rent I think that there has to be because Price and Pedro, as we'll see, they go on through this list of tenants and each one had an agreed upon rent when they moved in. So I imagine that it just kind of fluctuated with inflation, how much people were paying for rent and then they were like grandfathered in. That's what I have to believe.
0: Yeah, because it seems to me like you should like with the renewal Mm -hmm. you should be able to raise rent with the associated fees of improving the building that they're living in. Yeah, My rent goes up every year.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Mine does too. So that's why in reading this whole thing, I was like, okay, there has to be like an LA law or like some kind of Californian law that stipulates that your rent is capped because they go through the tenant role, right? She... Price talks to Pedro again, who we met in part one, who's the hotel's sort of historian. And they're going to this tenant rent roll and they come out with 80 tenants and all of them are listed in an Excel sheet with their room number, their rent they paid and the date they would moved in. And so Pedro like walked Amy Price through each of these tenants and what she was dealing with. Because, like we just said, she's sort of stuck with these people. Mm-hmm. She has there has to be an l a law that says you can't raise rent. I don't know what other reason would make people not leave because also, I think we'll we'll discuss something about moving out of the Cecil that makes me think that there is definitely like an agreement there.
0: Yeah, because it just seems weird to me if, they, if they're if they not raising rent, even just minimally. I know. But it makes sense, like, to increase it depending on the work that's being done. And if she's struggling to right. get the work done, a great way to get that done is to raise the rent, provide better amenities for these people. And the people who can't afford it, mm-hmm. it's just that's how how it, it works. <laughs> it, it's, it sucks for people who can't afford it, but at the same time... It's running a business. Exactly. And there has to be a balance of the two.
1: I was going to say, she would just be doing exactly what she came there to do, which was rehabbing the hotel. You know, like, all that's the reason they called her. That's the reason she stayed on for as long as she did. She really cared about the seesaw and about this vision of redoing the hotel. And so, like, if these new improvements had caused certain people to move away i imagine that newer people would have gravitated toward it i think if she had her if she only had her way like her own kind of way to bulldoze through this red tape that's what i think the problem is mm-hmm. and we're about to see the gravity of this problem so 80 people and it was then that they arrived at a name of a one mr channing and he is referred to as only that in the book and next to this name was one price hadn't seen before a dal harrison when asked by price who it was pedro responded to price with just quote the woman according to pedro's memory mr channing had been at the cecil for a very long time roughly 40 years so oh wow yeah he's been there And this seemed odd due to the file that he had, which said that he and Dal Harrison had moved in in 2004. Pedro explained that 2004 was likely the date the tenants had moved from the upper floors down to the second floor. So that is when they're condensing those tenant units into, like, floors two and three so they can rehab the image of the other floors. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so he likely agreed to move down from higher up. And Mr. Channing relocated to another room within the building. Immediately, Price clocked that she had never seen the woman, Del Harrison. This She had never seen her. She asked Pedro how long the woman had been at the hotel. And according to him, the woman had been brought into room 242 about 10 years after Mr. Channing moved in. So she had probably been at the Cecil for about 30 years.
0: So did they live together? Yes. Or were they like neighbors? They lived together. No, okay.
1: Lived together. Yes. Same room. And so they've been there. She They've been there together for roughly 30 years. Channing has been there roughly 40. So okay. he kind of already had his wits about him at the seesaw. like saw it as his home had rent agreed upon, you know. But it was odd, because in her 30 years time at the Cecil, its unofficial historian Pedro could only say, quote, she is an Asian woman. She went into the room, but she didn't come out. Price was immediately alarmed and asked when the last time was that this woman had been seen. Chillingly, Pedro answered, quote, never. Apparently, in room 242, lived a woman brought in by Mr. Channing, who had not been seen even once since.
0: So she wasn't even seen moving from the upper floor to the second floor?
1: You know, they may have, because, like, there are certain other instances here where people do get a glimpse of her. But it's like, one of the things I found the most perturbing, like, recounting this case, too, is that. It almost feels paranormal. Like, it almost feels like this woman is a ghost and people aren't seeing her, aren't considering her, aren't like it. It's wild. Interesting. Because everybody just, like, I, it's, it's been, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because he went on to tell Price that the woman whose name may or may not even have been Dal Harrison. In the early days of her stay, she could be seen in the hallway to the shower with just a sheet around her. Pedro could not recall ever seeing this woman in any clothing, just the sheet. Her hair was Hmm. described as, quote, long, dark, and wild. Maybe it hadn't been cut in a very long time.
0: Bizarre. That's just Mm -hmm. odd.
1: Yeah. And it gets odder. It gets odder and odder and more and more strange that this is happening. Like a, a whole hotel is functioning around this and this is happening. It, it's wild. Like and here's something that is wild in a different way, as in wildly sad, um price quickly ascertained room two forty two did not have a shower inside it. And after asking Pedro, they determined that the woman was not even coming out to shower anymore.
0: Hmm. Something just seems very off.
1: Yes. Price describes Channing as, quote, in his late 60s when she arrived at the Cecil. He was about six feet tall and he always wore a black hat over his gray hair. He used a cane and as he walked, he always seemed to be making strange growling noises. His demeanor was very unpleasant and very unfriendly, end quote.
0: What year did she start at the Cecil again? it would just be a few years before this if that at this point
1: 2007 2007 Amy okay price. so she was only
0: there for two years so he's he's still late 60s potentially 70 71 ish mm-hmm. correct in all likelihood
1: correct okay. and this woman is still likely same description still
0: mm-hmm.
1: price further stated that channing almost never spoke to her And when he did, she noted he had a very low and deep voice. She marked it as the deepest voice she had ever heard. So now that we know the occupants of room 242, came the date that all tenants would be advised that their rooms were to be properly inspected. Price noted that enough notice was given to tenants that if they had wanted to clean up at all, they had the opportunity. The date to inspect room 242 grew closer until it was upon Price and Pedro, to go knock on the door and perform the mandatory inspection. They noticed a TV was blaring from the room when they arrived at it. And after knocking, we're told, quote, just a minute from Mr. Channing. We know that because Amy Price recognized his very deep voice. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go, guys. Price said that when the door to the room was cracked, quote, the smell almost caused me to fall over. Putrid Rank, rancid. I'm not sure if any of these words are enough to capture the insane stench of that room. It was like ammonia and rotten eggs caught in a steam room together, which made it very hard to concentrate. End quote. Did any neighbors complain about smell? You know, in her book, she never mentions that. And I wondered that myself. I was like, how did nobody... I wonder if it's maybe because they've grouped all these tenants together on uh, floors two and three. And I wonder if all these tenants are kind of around him and are accustomed to like this sort of mental illness and they don't want to draw attention to themselves. They maybe don't have proper identification. Maybe that's what happened, but I am... Yeah, maybe. I am quite curious as to whether anybody ever called down to the front desk in the time when he lived in the upper floors, and in the time when he moved down to floor two. Yeah,
0: because I just feel like you're living in an apartment. Like, I know. Yeah. I was just, I got home about an hour ago, and I'm walking past all my neighbors' doors, and I can smell what they're cooking for dinner. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's just dinner. Absolutely. <laughs> like, that's just what's on their stove at the moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. When you think about it, Price and Pedro had been inspecting all of these hotel rooms. So she's like, really run the gamut, and this is the one that she's saying she can't even really grasp the right words to capture the insane stench of his room.
0: yeah, that, that seems a little odd to me. yeah, but no, I like no one reported it, yeah, even anonymously.
1: yeah. you could it, so easily you could call down and tip him off, you know. And I wish they would have. I don't know if it would have changed everything anything but i I think if it made it very hard to concentrate when you're in there, it would make it very hard to concentrate when you're outside the door or next door. Well, that's like
0: even knocking on the door, you would probably smell it.
1: That's what i that's what I wonder. I'm like, was were the hallways being cleaned by the housemen? But even if they were being cleaned, could you really clean over a smell like that?
0: yeah. like i'm I'm thinking, like, I'm assuming this is the body of the woman, just based on the description of the scent. I have never smelled a body before, but I've smelled my fair share of like rotting animals growing up in the middle of the woods and around hunting. I know what that
1: smells like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's potent. I will give you a glimpse here and should let you all know that the weirdest part about About this story is that this woman is very much alive and very much normal. She's, well, normal is not correct for this at all, but she is very much alive.
0: Huh. Interesting.
1: Okay. It's even weirder. It's even weirder. There, it's very hard to concentrate. She says it's awful. She informed Mr. Channing they were there for the mandatory room inspection. And she noted he was taking kind of a defensive stance with his cane, kind of not wanting to let them in. And he eventually relented and allowed them to inspect the room. But I doubt anything could prepare them. Amy Price said, quote, My most vivid memory beyond the smell was the temperature. It really was like a steam room. So incredibly hot. And of course, this intensified the smell. At first, I thought the heat was due to the season. It was fall, the hottest time in Los Angeles. On top of that, the rooms at the Cecil were tiny and circulation was poor. Then I realized that in addition to all these causes of heat, Mr. Channing had a heater running in the room. End quote.
0: See, I can't judge him on that because my apartment's like a sauna all the time and I love it.
1: I typically love a warm room as well. I'm just very puzzled by all these different sources of heat. Like if it was that hot outside... You know, I I don't know why you would be running a heater, but we should. Yeah, I can't.
0: I've never been to L.A. I don't know what the weather is really like in the fall.
1: To mm. me, fall's
0: like 60s, 50s right. maybe.
1: Yeah. For us, it's not weird to run a heater in the fall because it starts to get cold as hell here.
0: But I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to running a heater on occasion in the summer. <laughs> I really like it nice and toasty.
1: If somebody's blasting the air, you know, I'm... I'm there for the heater as well. But I do think it's odd to have these multiple sources of heat all converging on this room. I don't know why. And that definitely can't
0: help the smell. Uh, That will definitely amplify that smell.
1: Absolutely. Keeping it that hot. And it just... I'm baffled as to why, why you would need it that hot. And that's so... Like, the only thing I could think to describe this was... After overcoming the incredible stimuli of the room, because we're about to see there's there's more yet, because we've just covered smell, and we've covered temperature, and now we're gonna cover occupants. Price was able to see on the bed, covered in a mess of white sheets, was the outline of a human body. She said it was immediately evident someone was hidden under the sheet. She asked Mr. Channing, is the person who's hiding under this sheet okay? And Channing answered her in a grunt of, yes, she's okay. As Channing told Price this, she observed that while he was speaking, a cockroach was skittering among the sheets. Ugh, gross. (sighs) Yeah, I know you guys, it's bad. It gets worse. Price also then surmised that cockroaches had infested room 242 and stated they were Everywhere she could see in the dozens. Ugh. Uh, I know. In this awful state, Price was immediately able to see why the cockroaches were invading. There were half-drunk liters of soda and open containers of food, quote, all over the room.
0: And I'm sure that adds to that smell, that uh, rancid,
1: I know. Uh, rotten smell. Exactly. And I mean, we're city dwellers. So, like, when you say the word cockroaches, it's like, oh, it gives me a visceral shiver. Right. <laughs> like, maybe that's for everybody. But, like, especially for here where we're living in apartments, we're living right next door, sharing walls with each other. Like, you say the word cockroach to me and I'm like,
0: where? No. Like, right? Like, keep that out of my home.
1: Exactly. Like, what brought it in here? How to get in here? What do we do to get it out? Because it's, I mean, the what Price said. Uh, one of the things that I actually took out, but I'll we'll talk about it right now, was that the fumigator. He enters the picture later. He told her that if you see a cockroach in the daytime, it's bad. And so she's here. Ew. It's the daytime. Yeah. Right?
0: Say I'm lucky to have never had to deal with cockroaches. Knock on wood. Oh, me neither. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and I did not yeah. know that. And
0: that—that's horrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. There. Are, oh my God. It. I. I've never dealt with cockroaches. Harrowing. So I can only. Ma- I know. I don't think cockroaches bite you.
0: I think they can.
1: I think they can. Yeah. I'm. I'm sure they can.
0: I don't want to find out. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> <But I think laughs> exactly. They
1: can exactly and amy is feeling the same way we all are you guys she's appalled at the conditions mr channing was subjecting himself to but also the woman she could tell that the woman was definitely alive the conditions were so poor get ready that right next to the bed price quote noticed a bucket parked next to the bed Amy instinctually knew that it was being used as a toilet because, as she said before, room 242 had no bathroom. End quote. Oof. Yeah, so it's harrowing. And it, her concerns are intensified for the two adults, particularly because there was still no responsiveness from the woman. So she asked Channing again, quote, are you sure that whoever is under that sheet is okay? And she made sure to ask it more loudly to try and give the woman a chance to yell out. Price said that the woman did not only not answer her, but she did not even move. Wow. Yeah. And so she has a lot of valid reasons for concern. But also, she has to go through the steps of her job. So she has to kind of remain right. detached from this. And I, I don't know how she could have because I can't stop thinking about it. But she somehow is able to maintain her professionalism and she's able to tell Channing the conditions of the room are unacceptable and that he needed to clean. So this is the first warning issued by the hotel that he has to clean. She also told him that in addition to the required cleaning, she would be sending a fumigator to address the roaches. As we just mentioned, the one who told her, if it's daytime, it's bad. She's like, no, right now, get these cockroaches out. Right. In order to perform this, everyone would have to leave the room during an allotted time period due to the toxic nature of the formula. You know, I'm sure you guys are familiar if you've ever had the exterminator in. Yeah, it's like tenting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they would probably tend up that whole room for at least a couple hours. Because if there's no bathroom, I mean, it's probably pretty small. Right. She said Channing only gave her, like, an unhappy grunt in response. And then she had no choice but to leave. Because she did everything she was supposed to do.
0: Right. You have to follow the procedure before you can take further action.
1: Exactly. And what you just said is pretty much the genesis of this whole episode, that, like, you have to follow procedure or else nothing can happen. And then sometimes even then things don't happen. I don't know. After seeing the woman's outline in the sheets, Pedro remembered another detail that he hadn't passed on to Price. He said that shortly after this woman, very likely not Dal Channing, arrived at the hotel, he had received a phone call from a man who lived somewhere in Asia. Pedro couldn't remember if it was China, Thailand, or Vietnam, but the man claimed that his mother had been, quote, taken to the hotel and was being held hostage, end quote. Oh. Yeah. And then... Pedro informs Price that after this call, the management made no effort to connect with Channing or the woman. In fact, it was ignored altogether. Yeah,
0: based on the history of the of the hotel, it doesn't surprise me that it was ignored. But I mean, you're right. It's also kind of a big thing to forget about.
1: Exactly. Like, oh, I mean, a hostage situation. That it seems hard to find anything more pressing than a hostage situation. Like, how did this just go ignored? And now we're all on the wheel, the hamster wheel with Amy Price of how is this going unignored? How can we help? How is this going? What's happening? And there was another report from Pedro regarding the woman. This time a person had actually come to the hotel looking for a, quote, missing woman. And nothing was done with the visit at all. And
0: do you know what year this all happened that someone was called in from Asia and came visiting the hotel?
1: No, no. I, all we have is Pedro's memory there that we're relying on through Amy.
0: And do we know how long Pedro was at the hotel working?
1: You know, I could probably dig it up. So I'm just
0: wondering, like if this is a 30 year span, that's a, that's a lot of time.
1: I believe Pedro was, was on staff at the Cecil for, he probably started around the time Channing moved in like he had been there longer than so he'd everybody.
0: been there for 30 40 years yes okay yeah
1: we're talking in the decades Pedro has been with the hotel and not left and so he's kind of become this unofficial historian and I I usually find at workplaces when somebody like calls you that it, it's typically because you're the one who's been there the longest and you are just the one holding on to this sort of um, flow of information that may not necessarily be documented. That is my thought.
0: I'm just curious how long people have been searching for this woman.
1: Me too. <laughs> um, we know at least that people have been looking for her since 2009 through Amy because we the only thing we know now as far as this is that the woman has been there for 30 years and nobody has cared to ask after her on staff of the seesaw this entire time until Amy arrives. And so, yeah, I, I was just surprised with, with those kind of leads, what, what happened. And so Price, she didn't think that bad press outweighed human suffering. And unfortunately, her business partners disagreed. So she began her worry over the woman in 242.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, like, I understand the idea of bad press, but I also think there is good press that could come out of that, being like, look, there's new management. Right. These things that were happening are no longer happening. That's good press.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Why? I I don't understand why Amy Price was continually... I mean, well, it's because her business partner didn't care. That's it. That's It's straight up that. And Price said she felt, quote, the horrible truth was that if the person, if the woman wasn't asking for help, it wasn't going to be that easy to help her. End quote.
0: But isn't that more of a reason to get her the help
1: that she may need? We're going to see Amy does just that. Her first attempt to help was to send the fumigator over, And when the employee, Juan, came to the room, Mr. Channing and the woman were both there. And this surprised him as he knew Price had informed them that he needed to spray with toxic chemicals, but they refused to leave, according to him. So instead of spraying, Juan did the second best thing he knew to help them, which was applying roach-killing gel to the baseboards around the room. And at this time, Price knew that Mr. Channing had not made an effort to clean, so she again asked him to. That's second time she's asked him. In conjunction with her asking him this, she was officially promoted to general manager. She hadn't been able to do much in her time between her second request and that elevation, but once she's promoted, she then made it her mission to help the woman hidden in 242.
0: I wonder what's required at this point to get to the point of eviction
1: that's a good question
0: because to me it sounds like this just having the roaches and the non-compliance and, and all of that mm-hmm. is getting pretty close to it minimally
1: right yeah oh yeah i mean anywhere here they'd be like what the fuck <laughs> it's a really good question like what does it take to get evicted here I wonder if the hotel ever pursued proceedings. Maybe bringing on Amy Price and these inspections were the first step of them hopefully starting to get a way for them to evict these people. Which, as we remember, is their main goal because they are a hotel. They want to rent the rooms.
0: Well, that's why I'm wondering, like, what is it going to take them? Like, obviously, there are legal steps. And I know that you have to give warnings and all of these different things. Right. But it sounds like you have the justification to escalate warnings
1: mm-hmm.
0: given the inspections.
1: Yeah. Given that this is the second time. I don't know. It...
0: Like I know there's a lot of issues with police. And I think it's a sheriff who needs to issue the eviction. Because eviction. we talked a lot in the last episode about having... To call the police numerous times and hoping Mm. they would show up. And if they did, it was hours later. Like, I understand that. But this is a different scenario than calling nine one one.
1: Right. Right. And Amy handles it very well. Like everything Amy does is what I would have done and if I were put in the same I can't imagine being put in this position. But if I were put in the same position, I would do what she does. And She began to take it more seriously in 2010, and she took note that Mr. Channing was a man of routine. He did the same things every day. He usually did them at the same time, and he did them daily, and he usually returned around the same time later in the day with food. Amy Price saw this as her way to help the woman. She thought with the predictable absences of Mr. Channing, she could reach out. She was tempered at first by the knowledge that if the woman wanted to leave, she could leave the room. He he could not possibly have locked her inside. It was impossible due to the way the Cecil's locks functioned.
0: Right, but then you also have to think about there could be Stockholm Syndrome.
1: Exactly! Or
0: Gorophobia, or something like that.
1: And I came to the same exact conclusion, which is exactly what our girl Amy comes to. She became very concerned, and it even motivated her to Google, quote, is Is Stockholm Syndrome real love? She thought it was possible the woman was motivated by love for her captor, and Price began to think that this woman in 242 was suffering from a case of Stockholm Syndrome and had likely, quote, lost touch with reality. End quote. She makes the good point that the only person this woman had seen for thirty years was Mr. Channing.
0: Yeah, she may not even understand what the real world is anymore.
1: Like, and I love that your brain went right there and so did Amy's, so did mine. Like, we're people of, you know, if this then what? What is the next step in the procedure? Like, how how do we move toward action? And Amy was wondering about other factors as well that I'm sure you're probably thinking of, and I was, which was, did the woman speak English? Was she mentally stable? Mm -hmm. Why, if she both spoke English and was mentally stable, then why hadn't she spoken to Price when she entered the room? Also, at this point, what did the woman even look like? Amy still hasn't even seen her. Yeah. Price saw that... With Channing's routine, this could be an opportunity. And so one day after he left the room, she called it. There was no answer on the line. Price tried a second time that day, still no answer. Without any answer, Price gave her another opportunity. This is a separate occasion from those two phone calls. While Channing is out, she sees the opportunity and she knocked on the door. She repeated these calls and knocking, which the woman could have used to express her distress for two more days. And she received no response each time she tried.
0: Yeah, if if she is dealing with Stockholm Syndrome, or even, as I said, even if it isn't a, a kidnap situation, it's more agoraphobia, which is a whole different kind of issue, mm-hmm. she probably wouldn't answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It could be. It could be. Price couldn't understand why she wouldn't or couldn't answer the phone when alone in the room. But for whatever reason, like many of what we've just discussed, it didn't happen. Amy was admitting in the book that she was hoping these calls and this knocking would, quote, tune the woman into a new way of thinking, one that was driven by logic. That didn't happen. End quote. And I think
0: Unfortunately I think in these situations logic is not a logical way of thinking.
1: Yes, exactly. Like you, you can't rely on logic. Right, right. You want to, but I feel like this is definitely the the epitome of a case where being driven by logic is not gonna cut it. All the while that price is performing these essentially wellness checks, months were going by. So she kept repeating this, like calling and knocking on the room. She's very worried. I, I don't blame her. I, I've i been very worried. Say, so I don't blame her either. Right. Like if you were the one in charge, you know, I, I would be worried. And monthly Channing would be notified of inspections on 242. And subsequently he was failing them. Every time Amy returned to the room, Channing, the woman under the sheet, and the roaches were there. He took it a step further, and when the fumigator, Juan, came monthly, each time applying roach-killing gel instead of spraying, because they would not leave, Mr. Channing would remove it from the perimeter baseboards. Juan said that he was just as confused by the woman hiding as he was about the removal of the roach gel. Apparently, according to Juan, the woman in 242 seemed very much alive as well. Damn. see
0: again this is why i'm i'm so curious about eviction because right i feel like this is especially after months that right. is absolute months. right for eviction
1: absolutely and i mean the cecil is technically your landlord
0: exactly like they have the right to say you can't be here anymore because you're violating
1: our policy our yeah.
0: policies as a business
1: but you're you're gonna be I blown away like I I'm blown away by how because Amy is so thorough and she does like everything she possibly can she because she's performing these wellness checks because he's failing these inspections she knows the conditions aren't cha- changing she's still worrying and I, again I don't blame her. She began to explore a list of organizations to contact after her repeated ways to try to access the woman, coming up with nothing. She first called the Health Department, Adult Protective Services, the Fire Department, and the Police Department. Like, first of all, round of applause, Amy. Out of the park, smashed it. I would have called every last one of those.
0: Well, yeah, I think that's also policy in your situation like this. Like, it's great that she did, because it needs to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's,
1: that's what you're supposed to do. Right, exactly. Yeah, again, she's symbiotic thing here. She's both doing her job, and she is very worried about this woman on a personal level. Because through her work at the Cecil, after seeing years of guests roll by her, Amy Price had developed a keen eye for mental illness, and she had the compassion to deal with it.
0: Which is something a lot of people don't have.
1: Yeah, exactly. You need to have a, a really, you know, a, a unique spirit to do that. Because she saw that this woman was suffering from perhaps a partner with a hoarding disorder.
0: Yeah, sounds like it.
1: Yeah, I. that's all I can come up with, too. She had seen it in other rooms. and could only find it incredibly sad that another human would hit that point. However, she still wasn't sure if the woman was in there voluntarily. All she had to assume right now was that she was, because he couldn't lock her in there. And all she, that's all she could do. Because, again, she's just doing her job, you know? And she can only do her job. She can only go so far. Right. Before, you know, like, what what is the threshold? And you'll continue to ask yourself that. I know I did. The health department turned out to be most helpful of the services she contacted after filing a report of Channing's refusal to clean despite the repeat notice from the hotel and an official was sent to check out the room, room 242. When the health department arrived, Mr. Channing opened the door and Price said that when he saw the official there, he immediately looked very angry to her. I imagine so. Well, it's
0: his own doing at this point, which it, that also might be a, a, a mental disorder that he's dealing with that he's struggling to do the basics of his own care, but exactly, he was given the warnings.
1: Right. Multiple warnings and multiple failed inspections. It's It's just like It tugs at you because you're like, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, but, like, this is unacceptable. Right. Like, this is not good for you, for whoever this woman is, for the hotel, for anybody. It's It's not good. So I'm really glad that Amy called everyone she did. But it does make me sad that she had to call all of these different services just begging for help. Like how what why did she have to do that? I don't know.
0: Well, it sounds to me like he has some sort of mental disorder that is causing this behavior. Oh yeah. And it could be like it's it, it sound, seems pretty extreme. So this this is what you'd need to do in these situations.
1: Yeah, what I just don't understand is why she had to kind of work at it and work at it and work at it as much as she did. And we'll see as she does until uh, with no result because the, the health department official, he sees these conditions and he is adamant that they're not okay for either of the adults. And he wrote Channing a quote, fix it ticket. The official made no special mention to price about the woman hiding and the fix-it ticket changed nothing about the situation.
0: Which, that doesn't really surprise me, that a, a ticket...
1: Yeah, they ticket. it. Well, us. it's yeah. a piece
0: of paper. It's a
1: piece of it's paper. It's a ticket, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, there needs to be more action beyond that, but you have to have that first.
1: Right. Yeah, you're right about that. And it had about as much effect as you would imagine. It changed nothing. Nothing, except that Channing decided he would add a dog to the mix.
0: Oh, no. I not say, Rigby's sitting on my lap right now, and he's not a dog, but he pretends to be. And... I'm just...
1: I know. Dogs are not allowed at the Cecil. Uh, well, my baby... My baby is asleep on the couch right now. Baby Arthur. And I oh god that's why i had to give the the trigger warning up top up for animals too because i just am like oh this is devastating like it's it's a different kind of orbit of sad
0: right yeah i'm just gonna let him cuddle me on the lap on my lap for a while (laughs) because i know it's gonna get sad
1: yeah and clearly channing it's it's not registering at all like none of this. like all of this seems okay to him, I think, because yeah, again, dogs aren't allowed at the seesaw. And Amy Price informed Channing that as she watched him bring in the dog and he quick he completely just walked past her. Like she told him, like, hey, you can't do that. He's just I know that with hoarding disorders, people don't mean to be insubordinate. But they are, from what I've seen. Well, and some people just don't
0: care about the rules. Like, we we had, in my building, there's no dogs allowed in my building. And a few months ago, there was a young couple who had a puppy here. And I would run into them in the elevator all the time. And they were gone within, like, a month. They got kicked out.
1: Yeah, see?
0: And it was, like, it's just that... They're not allowed to have it here. It was a really cute puppy. It was very well behaved, but they're not allowed in the building.
1: And so it doesn't surprise me at all that the Cecil, which is a hotel, does not allow dogs. Yeah. Well,
0: a lot of it is just like the barking or like that it can disrupt neighbors.
1: Absolutely. Um, like
0: it makes sense. I understand why buildings don't allow it. I do, but too. But it, it needs to be enforced. Right. Yeah, and- exactly. Based on my building, and maybe LA is different, but, like, those neighbors were kicked out of my building within a month.
1: Right, yeah, that's fast. Like,
0: that's absolutely grounds for eviction. Right. Based on my experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, if even one of your neighbors rats on you, you could get kicked you out. Say
0: I didn't rat on them because the dog was really cute and right. super <laughs> well-behaved.
1: Right. But
0: I know that other people did.
1: Right. Like, you guys can take that chance and run the risk of eviction, but like you just said, Price also said this dog was untrained, and it, quote, was a vicious, unwashed, 30-pound animal that seemed feral, and it barked all the time. Is it 30 pounds? That's
0: pretty big for a, a, an apartment dog.
1: Arthur is 26 pounds, for your reference. uh, Viewers, sorry, I will... <laughs>
0: We'll post a picture of him on Instagram.
1: I'll post a picture of Arthur and something next to him that weighs 26 pounds. That way you
0: guys... But like, you wouldn't want a dog much bigger than Arthur in your apartment. No,
1: absolutely not. You, If you don't know our co-host, Arthur, he is a wiry little terrier mutt. And he's, like I just said, about 26 pounds. Small guy. And you don't want... Uh, if it were me, I wouldn't want bigger than a dog.
0: And your space is probably a lot bigger than what they had at the Cecil.
1: (laughs) So Price knew that the dog barked all the time because Channing was only a floor above her office on floor two. And she could hear the dog. She could literally hear the dog barking. And the first time she saw Channing bring it in, she sent him a notification reminding him that dogs were not allowed in the building. So that's how quickly she acted just like Sam's neighbors, like right away. Boom. Hey, you're not allowed to do that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the rules. <laughs>
1: Them's the rules. What
0: you signed the, the peace papers. Like you signed a peace paper that says you can't do this.
1: Right. It doesn't only say that you get amazing rent for the rest of your life. It says that you can't have a dog either. I'm sure. I'm, I haven't seen the leasing agreement, but I'm positive.
0: I was like, well, at this point, they don't even require an ID, so... No, exactly, yeah.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, they don't even, no, they don't care who's, what people are in the room, who, they don't, the next day, in a, what I find to be a very funny reversal from previous notifications, which was, like, no response at all, the very next day that Channing gets this notification, Price was forestalled when she received new documentation from him saying this new pet was an emotional support animal which which is is fair to an extent like i
0: it's very easy to get an emotional support animal certificate it's it's kind of too easy yeah cuz it's just a loophole
1: for people well and here's what's odd about the situation and why i kept the dog in here Because I wanted to remove it. I didn't want to refer to this dog at all. But the documentation for the emotional support animal listed that Mr. Channing had no close relatives to help him with his conditions. Price immediately thought about the woman in the room. He had been referring this whole time to as his wife or alternately his sister.
0: So Who is he
1: referring
0: to? Like, who is he talking to, saying that he's she's his wife or his sister to price or other people?
1: So predominantly to the health department, he is asserting that she is his wife. And most of the time in here, he's asserting that it is his wife. I am unable to ascertain how many times he referred to her as his sister. I'm imagining that that's coming from Pedro's knowledge of these years of interacting with this man when his story is changed. But for most of this time, he's referring to all these officials in their capacity that this is his wife, and now he's giving her documentation that says he has no close relatives.
0: Well, my argument with that is... She might not be able to help him with his conditions if she has her own conditions, and he may be helping her more than she's helping him in this kind of his reality of everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I don't, I don't think that's like a total like crazy thing to have to say on his end.
1: That yeah, yeah, that she can't help him. Yeah, it that would be fair because we still don't know like who is we don't really know who is leading this sort of toxic relationship between the two of them.
0: Well, just based on like everything that you've given me so far, because well, like I don't know anything about this case. I know a lot about the Cecil, but this is something I haven't heard of before. And everything that you've given me so far in this is very much like he is the one running things day to day. He's the one who goes out, brings back Mm -hmm. food. And it sounds like if, She is not kidnapped. Right. And if she is there on her own free will, then she seems more mentally ill than he does Mm. in these few facts you've given me so far. Right. So that's why I say, like, that is no surprise to me that he says he has no close relatives to help him with his conditions because she can't if everything is... If, if she's if she's there on her own free will, or if he is, like, a medical caregiver in that aspect.
1: Yeah, we don't really know who's, like, leading in this dance. But, yeah, I, I mean, everything says to me, from what I thought, he seemed more in a mental place of, you know, like you said, he's going out, he's bringing back food. I, he, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't know what's happening here, but... That was his argument for having the dog. And the cycle then repeats itself again, only this time including the dog. The room was still boiling. Channing refused to clean and continued to remove roach-killing gel that was applied by the hotel's fumigator. But Price was undeterred, and she called the health department again. They gave him another ticket, and it again went nowhere. But this is the second ticket. He's received from the health department. Most frustrating to me is that per Price's book, neither health department visit had addressed the women hiding, and it also did not say if they attempted to make contact with her.
0: So I don't think that's their what they're there to do, right? Like it would be great if they did, but that's not their reason for going in there. In reality, their the reason for going in is to check living conditions not mm-hmm. the mental health and well-being of the person beyond the conditions that they're living
1: in. Well, I would say that the conditions you're living in contribute a lot.
0: I agree with that, but that's that's not really what they're there for. They're there for the conditions. The, you're right, the conditions contribute, but they can't say, are you happy with where you live?
1: But they could say, like, are you okay?
0: They could, but like, like... I don't disagree that they should do that, but I don't think they are required to.
1: You know, that could be it. It could just be that they're not required to.
0: Like, I agree they should because something seems very off. They should. Right. But legally they don't have to. I, I could be wrong, but
1: that could be a good question. Brett, Alice, (laughs) Right? what are y'all up to? I need help with this. I'm struggling out here. Because, as we've said before, Price had given Channing adequate notice before all of these room inspections. Not only because it's right, because it was, in fact, a legal entitlement that Channing had.
0: Oh, absolutely. If she didn't do that, she could be in bigger trouble.
1: Exactly. So before every health department, before every visit where the health department would come, he would be given time to be able to make changes to the living conditions. He never once truly cleaned the space, according to Price. But every time Price entered with the health department, the bucket by the bed was empty. Had it been full the way Price had originally found it, the health department would have, quote, had a more severe response than a fix-it ticket, and Mr. Channing likely knew this, end quote.
0: Oh, that totally makes sense that he made that, that action to remove it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's aware to an extent, like he's like, oh, just received another inspection notice. Better make sure this is the date. Better make sure that's gone by then. Mm -hmm. So it does show some planning here on his part. Yeah, definitely. It frustrates me just reading this cycle that the process is stuck in where no one is getting help. And now we've added an animal to the mix. I, I just feel really bad for Amy, who's doing all that she can to try to help whoever needs help in room 242. Because somebody does. That much is clear. Right.
0: I still just can't get over Like, this is all grounds for eviction. Like, it, it, it has to be. I can't get over that part of it.
1: Right. It's all grounds for eviction. And also, we're operating a hotel around all of this. So, like... This is one room. Do you know
0: if other apartments or rooms also needed to be fumigated? Like, was the roach issue concentrated to this room? It surprised me if it was. You
1: know, I, no, I don't. It would also surprise me if it was. Because the book just said that the Cecil was infested with various pests.
0: So that makes me assume that, that there's other issues in other rooms.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm wondering if that's why I'm wondering if nobody like reported the smell. Because maybe other people are are already dealing with this other stuff. And they're like, well, I don't want to call front desk about how smelly my ne- my neighbor's room is when I've got cockroaches in my room. And that person doesn't even know why, because it's the man next door.
0: Right. Because I'm just like thinking about this. Like, we're, we're focusing on this room.
1: But there's a mm-hmm. whole there's lot one more rooms room
0: in the building and
1: six hundred. Six hundred. Amy
0: Price is not only dealing with this room. No. She she's dealing with a lot of no. other terrible things that are happening on a day to day basis.
1: Right. And
0: I understand how this could take longer to try to fix because you can't be right. solely focused on it. No. But it seems like so many things were kind of pushed aside or ignored for so long. And there has to be a ton of other things that are adding to that, that we don't know about.
1: Right. And yeah, like you said, this is just one room. And if you listen to part one, Amy had become accustomed in her time working at the seesaw dealing with such severe mental illness that she was regularly accustomed to ducking objects that were being thrown at her. So, yeah. I mean, uh, on your agenda, as far as, like, triaging things, the thing being thrown at you probably is more concerning than room 242 out of 600.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm bringing up. It's like, there's just so many other things that, like, I can right. understand. Okay, I have to deal with this for this two-hour period today, but I can't look back at it for another two weeks after this. Right.
1: Yeah, you kind of have to compartmentalize and you have to be really good at it. And as this continued and the time passed, the Cecil had to be repiped, and to do this, one of its maintenance workers, Johnny, would need to gain access to 242 to do some caulking. Johnny did not shy away from giving a statement after entering the room. He said in part that he had entered the room in January at 10.30 a.m. to conduct some caulking to the pipe in the unit. After knocking, Mr. Channing opened the door to him, and he indicated that the pipe he had to work on was behind the dresser across the room, which allowed him to view the condition of the entire room. Mr. Channing referred to the woman... To okay, so this is to Johnny. He refers to the woman as his wife and the dog as his emotional support animal. So that's that's the story here he's giving Johnny. Regarding wife, an emotional support animal. Though the emotional support animal story has never changed. So Johnny had a similar story to all Cecil staff members that entered this room. He said, Mr. Channing's wife lay on the bed, quote, covering herself from head to toe to avoid being seen. The bed was filled with cockroaches that crawled all over her body. And he also witnessed a bucket by the sink that, quote, contained human waste. The condition of this unit was very disturbing and appeared uninhabitable. Please see the attached diagram drawn by Johnny for details. So, like, now we've got another an additional person here who's like this is not okay what's going on and we have somebody who is so upset that he's like drawn what it was like right and what i imagine is they took this report so they could start piling up statements from anyone and everyone to give to adult protective services
0: oh absolutely i feel like that that should have that should be day 1
1: of witnessing that Right. And it's worth mentioning here again that we now have another outside adult with true concerns about the residents of 242 that were those of common decency. Johnny is the only additional staff member that saw the bucket used for waste. Upon hearing this, Price again reached out to the health department the third time, only to hear there was not much the health department could do if they didn't see the waste. If they didn't see it, they could not reason it as a fact and hold it against Channing just because multiple other parties had now seen it. Yeah.
0: See, that that's kind of what I'm thinking is like they, they have to look at the physical evidence. Right. That's when they're in position. there. And so yeah, talking with her and seeing if she's emotionally OK
1: is kind of not part of their job. They can't hold what you might potentially do against you, you know, and he clearly knows that
0: even if she's in a position where she's not being held against her will, but she has severe medical needs, which is Mm. what makes it so she can't go down the hallway to go to the bathroom. Mm
1: -hmm. That's
0: where adult protective services needs to come in a whole lot more than the health department.
1: Right. Right. And so multiple parties have seen it, but like we just said, they can't hold anything that you potentially might do against you. And it, he like very likely knew it seems like he did so amy continued to worry and become upset by the woman in 242 and the dog and her inability to help them and time was passing and price felt keenly that quote living creatures were being abused under her watch which she called quote unbearable which i don't blame her it, uh, i
0: don't blame her at all for feeling that way
1: That does sound, yeah, that does sound unbearable to have somebody, you don't ever want that. So trying another route, Price called Animal Protective Services for the dog. And we're going to kind of blow past that because whatever we know, all Price remembers next is that the dog, quote, exited the picture and that she doesn't remember what happened to it. But she recalls feeling glad that it was gone and hoping it had gone somewhere better for it.
0: Yeah, hopefully it was able to be taken to a shelter and adopted.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's a shelter would be a shelter would be mercy. Like, this is crazy. And when Price thought she had hit her limit, Channing had more for her. Not long after Animal Protective Services came, Price came to greet Mr. Channing after a call had been placed to the front desk. He handed her a stack of papers and said, quote, "You've been served. See you in court." End quote. Price looked into it and technically you the plaintiff aren't supposed to serve the person you're suing yourself. No, not you're at not. all. You're not a process server. Like that's not. But she's quickly becoming aware that he's sort of playing in a different ball game and people are for some reason everybody seems to just be, you know, cutting this guy yeah, we love our dogs. My husband just arrived home with, with Arthur, so if you all heard any of that, that's what chopped us up a little bit there. But, so, after Mr. Channing serves her, which he's not a process server, she became aware that he was serving her papers for a restraining order against her. So, again, it it, it calls, like, first of all, you're not supposed to serve the person you're suing. That's, I mean. I wonder,
0: is this, like, a real lawsuit? Like, or did he just, like, print this off the internet?
1: Actually, you know, they do go before a judge, so. Okay,
0: so it is a real lawsuit.
1: Right, yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll let you know the outcome, and you, maybe, maybe you'll understand better than I do, because... I just don't, it's very, I'm. it's wild. Like, you're not supposed to, especially if you're serving them for a restraining order against them, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. that's what like the process you, server is for.
0: You shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't be near them if, if you're reser- serving with a restraining order.
1: <laughs> right, if you don't, it doesn't make any sense. And so he claimed in these papers that Price was harassing him by coming to his room all the time. And that she'd harassed him about his emotional service animal.
0: So she has documentation, and that there was a warning given before coming to his unit.
1: Oh, yeah. I imagine she's armed to the teeth.
0: I say it sounds like she would easily win.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we talked in part one about how going to court had become almost very commonplace for Amy Price's job description, which. Yeah is wild, but she would have been ready. And in these papers, Del Channing, the woman referred to as Del Channing, was referred to instead as Dahlia Harry. Price couldn't understand if Channing had forgotten the other pseudonym for her, or if he was intentionally using another alias in this lawsuit.
0: Or I wonder if that's her legal name.
1: Yes, is it? We don't know yet.
0: Say, so if it's a, it's in court documents, you would assume it would need to be a legal name.
1: You would think, right? You would think. And so she presents herself at court along with Channing. They approach the judge and they inquire, the judge inquires, quote, so I understand, Mr. Channing, that you would like restraining order against Miss Price. Channing offered the judge, quote, no, no. Ugh, I don't want a restraining order against Miss Price. Not her. I want a restraining order against the security guard who's posting notices on my door. They're always trying to inspect my room. End quote. So it
0: sounds like he just doesn't understand what's happening.
1: Yeah, I'm like, so you clearly understand how the legal wor- legal system works to an extent. Like, you, you've clearly got some idea of that, but you don't really know... Like you're oblivious to the fact that they have the legal right to inspect your room. They are your, you are their tenant. Yeah. Price knew that she was the one requesting the notices we posted on the door, but she didn't know if Channing was aware that they came from her. She did find it confusing, quote, from a technical angle. It was confusing that he had served me if the person he'd really intended to sue was the security guard, end quote, which I think is fair. We both just reasoned that out. And I have to think that this guy wasn't planning on suing anyone. He was just hell bent on them not entering that room again. And so he put in like the name he knew most commonly, which was Amy Price, which is pretty easy to remember. I don't know. Well, it
0: sounds like to me he doesn't understand what a restraining order really does. It sounds like he wants to find a way just to prevent people from coming into his unit, mm-hmm. but he just thinks a restraining order might make that happen.
1: Right, right. That's I'm like. That's why I think that I'm like. I don't think he ever intended for any of the legal system to go to work. He just wanted to scare the hotel, and if he thought he was going to scare the hotel, that's a pretty bad plan, because they have all this documentation, and they're armed and ready. They would love you to do this, because what you're doing is going to further expose that unit, and more people are going to enter it no matter what, if you enter into this legal battle.
0: Right. If this guy's in his early 70s at this point, he's been there for 40 years. He would have moved in, moved in 40 years previously. That would put him moving in in his early 30s. Like, I'm I'm just wondering, like, okay, what did this guy do for a living? How is he paying for this apartment? Like, I know it's cheap, but like there's I just have so many questions about what his history is.
1: Me too, because the thing is, they collected rent monthly, just like we do, from these tenants. So, like, he had a sense of time in that he knew that, like, monthly he needed to be paying his rent, whatever amount it was, he knew Well, also, rent was due. Part of why
0: I'm, I'm wondering all of this is, is he actually considered a caregiver by the state for this woman? Because you can get paid for that. And that that's kind of what I'm getting at here is is he act is he not working and is he generating income by quote unquote caregiving for her and there's just no checks that should be happening if that's the case? Like what's right. I I'm, I just I have so many questions.
1: Yes, yeah, so do I <laughs> Like I'm so glad somebody's here with me now because I've just been thinking about this for days. I'm like what is that? Like oh god. And the judge is probably he doesn't want to touch it either. And he stated simply, quote, if the restraining order is not meant for Miss Price, then you need to refile it. He then closed the case and told both parties to go home, which is exactly what I would done if I were a judge. Like, all right, goodbye.
0: Yeah, like this, this piece of paper that you handed me means nothing. Yeah, I have more stuff to deal with.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah, I got three murders today. Like, get out of my line and refile your restraining order in a different defendant's name. Wait. Wait. Also, so the 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 quote unquote wife was listed mm-hmm. on there. Did she not have to appear in court? She did not. Well, she either did not have to appear, or she did not appear. Because what well, was it? Just his name against hers,
0: or is she only referenced in the restraining order? Because those are two very different things. Because if one person doesn't show up at the at court for that restraining order hearing, it's Null and void until they show up,
1: yeah. Amy didn't go too in depth into that in her book. She just said that the judge told them if it's not meant for Ms. Price, you need to refile it.
0: I'm assuming that she wasn't listed as as the one of the people getting the restraining order. It must only be him then,
1: yeah. it it, it does say that he mentions her in there, but it doesn't say that she is listed as one of the plaintiffs.
0: Yeah, that could just be part of, like, the written statement that goes along with it.
1: Exactly. That's what I think. I think that she is mentioned and she's referred to, like we just mentioned, with this other alias. I think she's mentioned in his statement. Not Did he bring a lawyer? Do you know? No, he did not. I do know that.
0: Okay, so usually you don't for a restraining order. It's not, it's like very, very serious cases if you do. But you don't, you don't Mm -hmm. have to. A lot of people don't for restraining orders.
1: Yeah, he did not. And so this is another thing that makes me think he had foresight enough and like intention in his actions because Channing never again attempted legal action against Amy Price. However, after reading all of her book, I have to assume she would have happily met Channing in court again if it meant helping the woman in 242.
0: Yeah, I think that everything that amy's done is is legally within her right as the general manager of the cecil and i think Mm -hmm. that she could have easily represented herself in court and say i did everything Mm -hmm. legally correct here's my documentation absolutely that it it seems like she's taking the steps that she needs to take
1: exactly so i bet she's just sitting there like i wish you would I wish you would right. try to meet me in court again. All I am sitting on is paperwork documenting what a piece of garbage you are.
0: Hey, I've had to go to court for people doing stuff in in the stores I've worked at, and I'm like, I'll I'll show you the video camera of you stealing stuff. You're like <laughs> sure. You're ready.
1: You're like, I would love to show <laughs> yeah. you the footage. Thank you, Your Honor, for giving me the floor. Here's the videotape. Thank you. <laughs> like
0: I have sat there in court waiting for that moment. I never had to go through with it because they mm. pled guilty. Oh, but, yeah. Like, <laughs> I've been in those moments.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Amy, like we said, is accustomed to defending the Cecil in court. And in this case, he filed the restraining order in her name. So he's like suing her but also is he really because he i mean the whole thing would have been null and void anyway they could maybe have called it out on the fact that a process server did not serve her i i don't know that's all theoretical
0: yeah i i wonder because see a restraining order is not suing so you might not need to be served in the same way as you would for a lawsuit that might just be a different thing
1: I don't know it's a very that's it's another very good question, maybe a Brett and Alice question,
0: <laughs> yeah, because that's like there it's definitely like you're still going in front of a judge because you need to prove why you need a restraining mm. order. but it is not right. a lawsuit. It does go on on a record, but it's it's not at all the same thing as a lawsuit. And it is typically meant to be temporary,
1: right. Yeah, yeah. From my understanding, most of them are intended to be a temporary situation, and even if
0: he had like brought forward saying, "Yes, I do want a restraining order against Amy," because mm-hmm. of just the conditions,
1: yeah, of she would...
0: what she's able to say, come forward saying, "Okay, we had these inspections here were the notices before mm-hmm. the inspections occurred," I feel like the restraining order would have been turned down.
1: Yeah, I even do too. if he had
0: tried to follow through with it and say, "Yes, I want her name on it."
1: Right. I want her specifically, like no. I, like I I just think she's sitting on way too much way too much ammunition to take this guy down. And I think he realized that and that's why he never attempted legal action again. Right. Because he might have understood like he may have grasped again, we don't know how much he grasps reality. We don't know if he has his arms around it. We do know that he's the one who goes out and gets food. Does that make him mentally stable? We don't know. There are a lot of I feel like
0: he could have seen something like this on T V and was like, that's what I'll do.
1: Perhaps. Because if you recall there was T V blaring.
0: Well, that's exactly what I was just thinking of. Like there was one that he was clearly watching at the first visit.
1: Yeah, he was watching Law and Order. And was (laughs) like, Oh, okay, I know what to do now. And
0: Yeah, this might get her to stop get whoever to stop.
1: Right, right. Because that's really all he's trying to do is try and get them to stop coming in the room. Which, you're a tenant. They're your landlord. And Amy Price could easily have gone to court and been like, I'm a representative of this man's landlord. He should be suing the entity, the Cecil Hotel, not me. I don't know.
0: And you can't get a restraining order against the Cecil Hotel. Yeah, exactly. That would be a lawsuit at that point.
1: Like, all of this, it's so confused. It's like, what, what, what did you think I... <laughs> so she continued her actions to get him to clean the room. Nothing happened. She was unable to get the health department to do anything to help the woman under the sheet. So she tries a different move, and Adult Protective Services were finally convinced to come and investigate. Price had to call them numerous times. So she she doesn't ever say how many times she called them, but she called them at least twice regarding these conditions.
0: Um, I also, I just really quickly, I just Googled how to serve a restraining order in California, uh-huh. and it does very clearly state, after you get a court date for your restraining order, you must have someone give a copy of your court papers to the person you need protection from. This is called serving papers. A sheriff or a marshal can do it for free, but you can also choose someone else to serve it for you. Mm. So it shouldn't have been him, but he okay. could have had a friend do it. Right. Yeah. He could have had a neighbor. He could have knocked on a neighbor's door and saying, I need you to do this for me.
1: Yeah. Go serve the woman at the front desk. Or even Amy Price had her own office. So he could have been like, just go to this room with these papers. Yeah. Go up to the
0: person at the front desk and say, give it to her. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Adult protective officials arrive. No one answers the door. And then adult protective services fully never tried again. Never. didn't They never picked it back up. Never came back. Never anything. All they did was knock. Nobody answered and they went back home. See, that's so frustrating. But at the same time, right? you have
0: to think about everything that they're also dealing with. It's hard to make these things home calls but like there needs to be follow-up
1: and yeah exactly and it makes you it it harkens back to when we talked about what amy said which was getting the woman help if she didn't want it was going to be hard to do and that's sort Mm -hmm. of what we're seeing here is that there is kind of what what i think is a feedback loop of mental illness in room 242 Two so are just kind of feeding off each other. And Amy is trying to do her job. Exactly. A lot of
0: this makes me think of um, the Candyman case here in Chicago in Cabrini Green. Do you know about that one?
1: Like the original like it, Candyman it, story? It pings for me like the, the graffiti, right? Am I doing um, the right thing?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. There might have been graffiti oh, involved, but of- if, if it was, it wasn't a big case. No, um, I was
1: thinking of the smiley
0: face murders. Oh, yeah. That's, that's very, very different. I was different. thinking of that one. No, the prosecutors yeah, no, had a yeah. fantastic episode this last October for the Candyman.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Highly recommend oh, yeah. everyone to go listen to it. Um, but Ooh. that was at a building here called Caprini Green. It was a projects housing.
1: Mm. And
0: a woman was murdered in her apartment. And the neighbors were smelling foul orders, trying to get call in trying to get police to, just to knock on the door. Or, well, they the police did knock on the door, but because no one answered, no one did a proper wellness check and actually went inside the apartment and she was lying dead there for weeks. And this is just, it's making me think a lot of that case, what I'm hearing here.
1: Yep. So, yeah, Adult Protective Services, they do their thing. I, like, I understand they're just trying to do their job. They knocked on the door and nobody answered. But also, your Adult Protective Services, is this case not sitting in a limbo for you of, like, a stack of follow-up things? Because, again, these are modern times. Like, do you not have, like, a Trello board where you've, like, treated... How many times
0: do you hear Child Protective Services doing the same exact thing? Several. Like, unfortunately, it's the same system for adults and children, essentially. It's just... Different groups of people doing the same job. But we hear this all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
0: I hate it. I don't know how to fix it, but it needs to be fixed somehow.
1: And Amy is clearly in the same spot. Because in yet another move showing her devotion at helping this woman, or just trying to get any response out of this woman, Price called the fire department specifically to help this woman. The fireman came took the woman's vitals, pronounced that she was, quote, doing fine, and then they left. Price said at this point she felt like she was, quote, going crazy. And she wondered how ev- how everyone she was calling could be letting this happen to this woman. She also wondered how she had tried so hard in so many ways to help the woman and gotten nowhere. It, it was a standstill between her and Channing that would go on for years, I don't think it's that she's not
0: getting anywhere with this. She's getting the documentation that she needs to move forward at at some point. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I think you need a lot of documentation, especially when it comes to adults.
1: Yeah. And so I I
0: wouldn't I wouldn't say she's not getting anywhere. I would say I wish it moved faster. I wish the system was better enforced to take action at a faster rate than what we're seeing here.
1: Right. And I would absolutely say that I agree with you, and I would like to highlight that that was just Amy Price's feelings at the time, her own feelings. I agree with Sam. I think that...
0: Say, I can understand why she feels that way, for sure.
1: Yeah, I totally understand it. But I'm fully in agreement with, with you that she's doing everything how she's supposed to, you know? And yeah, that's why I feel so damn bad for her because she is just doing her damn job. Right. This is like she shouldn't be made to feel like she's going crazy. There shouldn't be situations where this has happened. And now it's going on for years. But in a watershed moment, the hotel again changed ownership. And Price saw this again as another opportunity to help the woman hidden in 242 the new building owners started a relocation incentive program in order to implore the long-range tenants of the seesaw to leave the building. A social worker began to meet with each of these tenants individually, so there's 80 of them, and they're meeting with all of them, to help decide on what was the best path for them. If the tenant chose to vacate the seesaw; they would be offered compensation. When this whole program was announced, Price told the new owners, and the social workers, what she's seen in 242. So that's a pretty good deal that you don't get a lot. Exactly. That's what I mentioned before when we were talking about tenants' rights. Like, there must be something in law here because they're being compensated to leave. So, like, what kind of tenants' rights must they have? Like, crazy, productive tenants' rights. Because, yeah, they're, I mean, they should have been evicted years ago. (laughs) Yeah, like yeah, cause they, I, I'm
0: still blown away that they weren't evicted. First exactly. thing, I'm blown away that their rent never increased. Yeah, um, like there's yeah. something really bizarre here that I don't understand.
1: Yeah, so so these this guy who should have been evicted years ago is now getting offered money to leave. <laughs> like, well, yeah, so that's happening, and so she tells these social workers about what's going on. Because, I mean, the same way Pedro briefed her before she went in there, wouldn't she want somebody to catch you and be like, hey, oh, absolutely. Just, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, and if they're social workers, you would hope that they have training to yeah. deal with something like that more than Amy might.
1: Right. And, and if not training, then, like, the resources to, like, tell mm-hmm. you where to go.
0: Or contact them themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's all Amy was hoping for. And it actually works. Good. Shockingly. The day came that the social workers met with Mr. Channing and the woman together in their room. And this marked the first occasion where Amy Price saw the woman in room 242's face. According to Price, quote, she looked too happy, which suggested to me that she probably wasn't mentally well. And her hair it was so long and piled on top of her head like Marge Simpson's, but not styled. More like it hadn't been washed or combed in a long time, end quote.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how long she's essentially been in that bed.
1: Right. And then she did not speak the entire meeting with the social worker, this woman. Meanwhile, she's not speaking... And Mr. Channing explains that he would like to receive the compensation check for leaving. However, to enter that agreement, everyone would need to produce a valid ID, including the woman.
0: Which makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you want to get money from us? Free money? Well, you have to leave. But to get money from us, you're going to need to identify yourself. Like, that seems fair
0: we need to know what name to put on that check
1: right exactly yeah who do you, what bank account do you want this to go to and this could have been amy price's way in to find out more about this woman at least like a valid name because right now we've heard several variations and then mm-hmm. like was it really her family who called way back at the beginning was the person who showed up at the hotel really a part of any of this All of that could begin to be examined if she were just to present an ID. The social worker saw it as another way to get her into a more humane situation as well. They said, quote, let's get her an ID and maybe a haircut too. Mr. Channing was said to have balked at this, claiming that the woman had lost her ID many years earlier during the entire interaction with Adult Protective Services and the social worker so two separate occasions all the time talking to adult protective services all the time talking to social workers he had referred to this woman as his wife my question be would be if she was his wife why was he so skittish when official documentation entered the picture
0: yeah that's odd
1: yeah why mm. like he
0: does seem like very protective and this it it it, it really sounds like he is dealing with some sort of mental illness Right. Whether there is the the kidnapping, like that phone call mentioned or not. Yeah. I, I haven't decided at this point. I don't think there's enough information to really decide that because we haven't heard from her yet.
1: Right, But
0: I do understand a little bit of his potential nervousness with an ID because it does really kind of sound like he has an issue with authority mm. and Documentation yeah. and an ID is like a big no-no if you have yeah. an issue with authority. But then that's also yeah. weird that he's trying to get a restraining order because then you're no. going to the authority for help. Like it, it doesn't right. really make sense. But no. I like no, I don't think I, we can make sense of what he's thinking.
1: Exactly, I have no idea what this man is thinking. I have a strong feeling that the woman is mentally ill. And I, like I said before, I have a feeling that this is some sort of codependent feedback loop where they're both mentally ill. Because I can't imagine staying in those conditions if you are mentally stable. Yeah. Maybe they all think this too. But due to her losing her ID, the social workers set up multiple appointments over the next weeks each time trying to secure a date on which they could take the woman out of the room and get her a haircut and some fresh clothes. Every appointment had to be canceled, or sometimes Channing and the woman would simply not show up for the scheduled meeting. Eventually, Channing dropped the idea of the relocation reimbursement and did not leave the Cecil. Finley. I don't
0: even know what the next steps would be.
1: Right, like, For adult what protective do you need even...
0: services?
1: Exactly, that's another. Forcibly great... remove them? That seems
0: extreme and potentially exactly. more harmful.
1: And the thing is, like, you can try to forcibly remove them, but you're at the Cecil, so you're gonna call the cops maybe three times, and they might show up. <laughs> like, oh, a guy won't leave. Well, okay. That's well, I bet if be.
0: Adult Protective Services called, that'd be a bit of a different story. But still, like, that could be emotionally and mentally harmful as well to do that.
1: So Channing doesn't leave the Cecil. However, Amy Price did. In 2015, her career with the hotel was over due to its closure. So she stayed on board what she had called her Titanic until the last possible moment and oversaw its changing of hands into new owners. However, it it was going to be closed as a hotel.
0: It's still closed as a hotel, I think. Yeah,
1: so we'll talk about it a little, I'll dust over it because I know this has been a long episode. Thanks for hanging with us. But Pedro was retained on staff for the hotel's new owners. So that's 2015. Amy Price leaves. She's there for 10 years. So Mr. Channing had already been there 40 years and then Amy shows up. Amy's there for another 10 years trying to get this guy the hell out. And she's not even successful. She leaves the position, and this guy is still holding down the fort in, the, in 242.
0: Do you have any age estimate on the woman?
1: No, yeah, I'm not sure. No. No.
0: I'm wondering, I like, guess she That's
1: a good decent question. Amount
0: younger, close to the same age.
1: I wonder about so many things. I have so many questions.
0: So I'm writing down a lot of questions as we're talking. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I'm trying to keep things straight, Try to make sure I know what I know, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. It's like, what? Wait. <laughs> like, wait. If this is in 2015. Like, he's still there? <laughs> like, what? And so in 2017, two years after that, Pedro and a houseman named Julio walked past room 242 and detected the smell that had unfortunately become a familiar one in the Cecil that of death. They immediately gained access to the room and found Mr. Channing dead in his bed. Next to him was the woman. Not only was she alive and well, but she was smiling at the men. Hmm. Paramedics were called to remove Channing's body and to remove the woman. They put her on a stretcher, and she then entered their care. Pedro informed Price of the death and of the woman being removed, including one final terrifying detail. As she was wheeled out of the lobby on the stretcher, Pedro told Amy that she was laughing out loud. And Pedro said he, Amy said Pedro was able to imitate the laughter. It was so singular. And he said that she kept doing it as she was being taken away for medical support. Price said that this last experience with the woman behind the door really shook her. She said, quote, the fact that she was cackling away after being in that atrocious situation for way too many years and found lying next to that creep's body. End quote.
0: See, honestly, that makes me really wonder if he was trying to, I don't want to use the word protect, but kind of protect her. It, it sounds like she is pretty severely mentally ill. Yeah. And he was kind of keeping her locked away from for her own sake,
1: right. That's what I'm wondering. I'm like wondering. I what I want to know is just like who. I I don't know who is is pulling the strings on this one. You know, I don't know if he's protecting yeah. her or if she's using him. You know, I I don't know. Or or are they both? Well, it also they- makes
0: me wonder with like what you were saying with her being seen in the hallways on a rare occasion, like. Mm-hmm. Is she, are these instances where she leaves the room and he needs to go find her because she's wandering? Like, like I'm kind of thinking like a a, a dementia patient. Like there there are times that they leave, they don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. They're very confused. Like
1: mm-hmm. it, potentially, could volatile. it be something like yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yes. know. I just I
0: feel like he he had his own issues right but maybe he's try he tried to protect her and keep her safe by locking her away
1: yeah it also like the other variable that's like kick- kicking around in my head again and again and again is like who is hoarding this apartment out like which which one of you like from a, just from a landlord's perspective like which one of you is hoarding my apartment out like
0: i would put that on him just based I on what so i too. know i think because so he too. seemed more mentally capable of living a day-to-day life than her just based on what yeah. we know
1: right so like i said folks we're getting we're getting closer we're wrapping it up so here's a few more weird things to talk about additionally no one ever came to collect Channing's belongings So maybe he had not been lying when he said he had no family.
0: Yeah, so that doesn't surprise me. That was my first thought is he already stated he has nobody.
1: Right. Doesn't surprise me either. However, equally bizarre, no one ever came to inquire about the woman. Not the people who had called or those who had arrived at the hotel or anyone seemed interested in her, where she went, what her real name was. And Price and myself as well are just in disbelief that there was never a follow-up with the Cecil or any of its staff about her. It was two years past when Amy left the Cecil and she was still worried what happened to her and where she was. In the book, she questions, quote, Did I do enough? What more could I have done? When I think of the woman now, these are the same questions that still haunt me. It never felt right. And it still doesn't. Pedro has encouraged me to try to get to the bottom of it. But like a lot of other things, it was never resolved. Quote.
0: I really wonder if that call from Asia had any relation at all. Because yeah. we know the history of the Cecil. We went through that in the last mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, It has yeah. a crazy it's- history. Yeah. It could be completely unrelated. It could be prank calls.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. I'm not you convinced I mean? they're
0: related to this woman in any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, because when you think about it, the only connection there with the call from Asia is that the woman is Asian. So yeah, they might not even be related at all. They might could be.
0: I'm in- not convinced they're related. I, I'm leaning much i I'm very much convinced that they're not related,
1: yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's completely plausible that they're not,
0: I think if they were, there would have been more people showing up. There would have been more calls, yeah, yeah. if it was something that was serious,
1: right, and right ongoing and, that long, yeah, a name would have been attached to it or something, yeah, like, please check on my mother, aunt, sister, daughter. She is at the Cecil. She is this description.
0: Well, the thing is, like, we also know that Skid Row is is feet a block away. away. And yeah. what do we know about Skid Row? That there are a lot of people who are unhomed. There are a lot of people who are runaways. There are a lot of people who are drug addicts. And with all of that, there's a lot of trafficking that can also happen.
1: You're right. You're right.
0: And how easy would it be for somebody to get a little bit of money get a room at the Cecil, mm-hmm. and have a trafficking victim there. Yeah. So simple.
1: Yeah. So again, like, totally see why Amy was very distraught over this and it, it took up space in her brain, you know, because like...
0: Oh, um, yeah. and I fully understand why.
1: Like she said, like, living people were being abused under what she felt was, like, her watch. But also, it breaks my heart that she was like, did I do enough Did I do everything? Because I feel like she did everything she could.
0: I do too. But I also think that's a very natural human reaction for somebody who is caring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we're left with, like, we we don't know this woman's real name. She never presented a valid identification. Uh, Like we just said, a lot of people on Skid Row, they don't have one. We don't know if she had any family. We can't say that the call is related. And we don't know what condition she was in mentally at the point of Channing's death or if he had a large part of caring for her or if he was the problem. We also don't know the state of Channing's body or cause of death. Amy Price was always aware that there were bodies being removed from the seesaw, but she said she couldn't look at them. And she and that often she just saw the body bags wheeled out.
0: Yeah, that you don't want to... No, to have them wheeled out without a body bag, like just in general no, as a, as a yeah. coroner. Like you want that covered up. You don't want people gawking. You don't want people seeing things. Right. That's respect for both the person who has passed and whatever investigation may need to come from it.
1: Exactly. And I think that was just her position. Like she didn't need to see it. And she also made every effort that the coroner's teams would use the back entrance of the seesaw when transporting the body bags so that they would not pass through the guest's view.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So she has no visibility on that. And she also, at this point, had moved on from her job two years prior. So elsewhere in the book, it was said that Pedro most often dealt with the bodies and saw their condition. He gave no description of the body to Price, which I think is fair. It does inspire more questions, though. Was he sick? What was the official cause of death? Was there a chance of foul play? And if so, was the woman involved? Right. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, my immediate thought, just based on, like, knowing that he had to be close to his 80s or in his 80s, and given
1: right. that's all yeah.
0: his apparent lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, that's a, a reasonable age being a cause of death. But you're right. Like, there could be a lot of other things
1: as a factor in that yeah i just can't stop thinking about it i'm like
0: and good for pedro to not talk about that because
1: no yeah that's uh, industry
0: yeah well like as i've said uh, i don't even know how many times on our show before i'm close to somebody who is a corner and Mm -hmm. like they have a legal obligation to not say things but more than that it's also a moral obligation, yeah, and that's very, very important to them to show that respect. and Pedro yeah. not being somebody who is has that legal obligation that comes along with it, it, I think that shows a lot of respect to not talk about it,
1: yeah. I think that he shows remarkable strength of character in being the Cecil's, I mean, you could almost call him the Cecil's steward. like these all these years he's been. He was considered the hotel's unofficial historian when Amy Price got there. Mm -hmm. So he's really like when you think of the hospitality industry, you should be thinking of somebody like Pedro. Like somebody who will literally find like a dead body and not talk about it to anyone to make sure that the hotel is intact. Like that's that's, that's the whole basis of his job and he does it. You know, people who work hard like I—I I really respond to that. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like, so we're we're wrapping it up, and my questions just largely mirror Amy Price's. I wonder where the women woman is, and if she's alive. I wonder if Channing was helping her, or if she had Stockholm syndrome. Could be both, really. Exactly. Yeah. Is it neither, or is it both? I, was anyone looking for her at all did no one care and and those two questions are sad by themselves because you have a, a block away you have Skid Row which is full of people who did didn't and was anyone looking for them did no one care and i in does it sound like rampant untreated mental illness between two people or does it sound like a kidnapper and a hostage In my opinion, I definitely think the former, just from the behavior they were exhibiting. Yeah. I wish the hotel had done what Miss Price wanted so badly to do, which was help the woman or even both people in room 242. Sam, what are your final thoughts on this one? This has been my holiday reading, so I've been thinking about it since... And I wonder what impression it's made on you. Like, what's pinged for you. I can't stop thinking about this and how truly tragic it all is.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's incredibly tragic. I honestly, just based on what you've given us today, I think that this is definitely... Not definitely. I think this is likely a case of mental illness. And even maybe some sort of physical illness. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he was likely trying to treat her himself by locking Mm -hmm. her away. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's because he loved her. Maybe that's because she is his wife. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't really know that, but I'm not leaning towards kidnapper hostage situation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me neither.
0: I'm leaning definitely towards an illness of some sort.
1: Because if we recall, early, very early on, the first description we got of Mr. Channing was that he walked with a limp and had a cape. So there is some evidence of physical illness there.
0: Yeah, it Um, could have even been like he was worried they would take her away because of Mm -hmm. her illness. And so that's why he didn't want anyone to see her because he was scared that she'd be taken from him and maybe she is his wife and he mm-hmm. really loved yeah. her and he didn't want her to be taken like there's a lot of different ways that this can go yeah. um but yeah i think it's it's definitely my thoughts are leaning more towards mental illness than anything else
1: i know right and one of the reasons i wanted to cover this is not only because the cecil is such a a legendary true crime thing i also wanted to get Amy's story out there, and then just also kind of talk about this schism of our population, the untreated mentally ill who some people have maybe just thrown away, and how they all kind of seem to congregate around the seesaw, and how interesting that is to me sociologically, like where Skid Row ends up, where all of these personalities end up converging. You know, you have Richard Ramirez entering the chat at one point. You have Jack Unterweiger and you have no ID at the front desk and a young woman who's just trying to... She was told rehab it and make it suitable for a hotel chain. She was never told she was going to have to be dealing with tenants like this.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: And... So the last thing I'll leave you with is the historic Cecil Hotel in downtown L.A. reopened as a permanent supportive housing project in 2021.
0: Oh, it did officially reopen.
1: It did. Yeah. I thought it was put on hold. Yeah, no, it opened as a, a housing project. The facility still boasts 600 rooms reserved for the neediest of Los Angelinos. But... After a year of operating in 2022, with encampments in the nearby Skid Row neighborhood growing by the day, most of the rooms are still vacant. All of that is according to the LA Times. Interesting. So, and then Amy's book came out in 2023, last year.
0: Yeah, it came out in October. I'm excited to check it out. I saw it's on Spotify Premium, so I'm going to be listening to that
1: yes. probably this weekend and- or
0: early next week.
1: And we should shout out here, too, this whole time we've been saying, like, Amy was doing everything she could for her job. She's doing so well. Another aspect of Amy was that she was really a passionate jewelry designer. And that's really what she wanted to do with her life this whole time. So you may have seen in part one that we tagged her jewelry page in our post, and we'll do that again. And I hope that you go and check out her jewelry and support what she called her true passion.
0: I was looking at it this morning and it's beautiful. I love what she makes.
1: I know. Yeah, she's so cool.
0: Well, thank you all for listening to Have You Heard About This Case. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Have You Heard About This Case Pod, on TikTok at HYHATC, or you can email us at Have You Heard About This Case at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll talk to you later.